Not singing is for pansies. On this episode, I interview Tim Bouchong on rock and roll, manly worship, and using your talents for God's glory. So join me as we build, fight, protect, and lead. This is the Patriarch. Rise up for men of God have done with lesser. Rise up for men of God have done with lesser things. Give heart and mind and soul and strength and serve the King of Kings. Lift high the cross of Christ. Tread where his feet have trod As brothers of the Son of Man Rise up, oh men of God The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That was Zephaniah 3.17, and you are listening to the Patriarchy Podcast on Roundtable Media, a ministry of Sovereign King Church. I am your host, Joseph Randall Spurgeon, pastor of Sovereign King Church. Speaking of church, actually, this past week, uh, we had a woman show up after the service and asked to speak to the minister. And so, you know, they, they found me and I came and talked to her. She, she looked to be about in her 20s, a blonde woman. And, and so she says, well, how much does it cost to rent a, a church singing group? And so I, I, I looked at her and thought, do you mean a choir? And she said, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. How much does it cost to acquire a church singing group? <laughs> you know, as I said at the beginning this week, I'm actually privileged to be able to interview uh, Pastor Tim Bouchong. He is the, the one who wrote and recorded, produced our, our intro intro song for the patriarchy podcast and um he's a good friend of mine he's done some conferences every year called jesus and politics he's a pastor in uh northern indiana but uh i interviewed him uh, we talked about his work he used to be in some christian rock bands that were pretty big during the the 90s in fact you're going to hear a story about how uh, I probably saw him when I was uh, a teenager. And uh, um, so uh, one of the things I did want to mention about this is that we, re- we recorded this using Zoom. And so if you're watching this, this podcast, you're going to see a difference between the camera quality, which what you're seeing now, and when it comes to the interview. Since the interview, I've upgraded the camera, I've upgraded uh, my computer, and I've upgraded the uh, uh, software that we're using to record the interview. So hopefully from here on out, uh, video quality will be much better. But uh, even with uh, the lesser video quality, I think you're going to really enjoy this interview. I had a good time interviewing Tim Bouchong, and he's just a fun uh, man to be around. I think you're going to be encouraged and strengthened uh, uh, as a man to use your talents whatever they are, for God's glory. So take a listen. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Patriarchy Podcast. I am Pastor Joseph Spurgeon. I have with me here today Pastor Tim Bouchong. Tim uh, spent many years in Christian music ministry and then 11 years as one of the founders and pastors of Trinity Evangelical Church in Larwell, Indiana. 
which is now Trinity Reformed in South Whitley, Indiana. All right, cool. Yeah. You've been married to your wife, uh, Heidi, for 39 years. Is it still 39 years? Yeah, June 11th of this year will be 40. Oh, wow. Big. Wow. You, got, you got something <laughs> big planned, don't you? Oh, man, I'm going to supersize her order. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have you got three children, five grandchildren. Yep. And yep. you're a lifetime resident of Syracuse. That's me. And you are a pastor of Syracuse Baptist Church. Yes. But you're also uh, tri, you're tri-vocational. Yeah, which it means I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to be when I grow up. <laughs> what uh, <laughs> what are you uh, tri-vocational about? Well, uh, of course, now pastoral ministry takes up the bulk of my time. But for years, uh, actually since the summer of 86, I've been a piano tuner technician. Um, that helped me uh, support my family when I was on the road in Christian music. And then when I got off the road, I turned all of that into the what we call the other side of the glass, which is the rest of the recording studio, the drum room, all this equipment and gear and everything. And uh, that, that's when I was able to uh, really you know, get on the ball as far as recording music and, and uh, doing that for a living. And I was real busy for about uh, eight, nine years here in the studio, just swamped every Saturday. Now, um, you, you, you were professionally before all this, like you said, you spent a lot of time uh, on the road and in a, in a band. So our listeners actually may know you recognize you from your work, uh, doing the theme song of the patriarchy podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's one that's of my, your, that's your claim to fame, right? <laughs> that's, that's it. You know, now I've, I've done, uh, so I get recognized on an elevator for doing the Radio Free Geneva, Mighty Fortress. Um, now John Harris's uh, bump music. That's I took his riff and just put a band to it and played it myself. And then I did I did a song for Saiten Bruggenkate on uh, answering Matt Walsh, and uh, that was kind of a, a metal mayhem. And then when when you guys were doing your thing, I was like. Man, we got to do this song and be, do it kind of manly. <laughs> I'll tell you something funny. When I was trying to do the soft, weaker Chris Tomlin intro, I couldn't get it. <laughs> I, I should have hired that done and then come in with rise up, you know. Anyway, so yeah, it and and I do really, to be honest, I I do almost all of this podcast bump stuff for free um almost uh, lately it's been involving a little more time and uh there's one going to come out from europe believe it or not our friend from germany pastor so that'll be cool different uh -huh. version of psalm 2 all right yeah well you you've also put out a couple al uh albums uh i guess or is it just one recently or do you have you had a two of them right well the uh the one that's under my name tim bushong and friends that's uh battle hymns for weary souls and i i thank michael foster for that album title i mean he came up with that out of the blue and uh working on volume two and then i've got all my my old music from uh christian rock era is up on spotify and those are basically two different bands there's love war that's one word and the channel surfers which i think you were a little familiar with the channel surfers is that right yeah yeah they they, they uh i remember them back in the, what was the 90s 
Yeah, late nineties, nineties. Yeah, Damn. that was my in my youth group upbringing. Yeah. Hey, so, <laughs> glad glad to have been of service, uh, Joe. <laughs> so, uh, you and I met uh, through a conference with uh, some people my presbytery have done, and we've yeah. developed a good friendship. In fact, I've uh, uh, you've had me come up what now three three years for this will this will be your uh third year coming up to speak at jesus and okay. politics dude have you checked out the the lineup yeah once you once you give a, a quick it's exactly it. the same as last year except we're adding um william wolf and john moody and y'all are from the louisville area all three of you guys the only the guy coming the farthest is john harris and I'm speaking as well. So I think it's a pretty, it's going to be a good conference. Um, there's a whole lot of craziness going on these days. And and Jesus as king, the, you know, the subtitle, the, the necessity of Christianity for a free people. That's, that's where I'm at. So, yeah, I was so glad to have you come up that first year. And after that, it was like, well, hey, <laughs> it would be a crime, a sin not to invite Joe back. <laughs> All right. Well, each year I come and I try to, preach something uh, and see if they won't bring me back but we'll see what happens <laughs> <laughs> we'll see no right. i enjoy i would thoroughly enjoy it well yeah it's cool uh you recently uh recorded a a version of psalm 110 
against my Lord shall taste his wrath and meet his sword upon their corpses he will Psalm Psalm one ten, we just we just heard it. I think hail to Jesus. Uh, that came about kind of through necessity. Um, no offense to anyone who's ever come up with a version of that psalm before. Maybe I just didn't hear it and wasn't aware of it. But I told our congregation, um, man, it was over a year ago. Even I said I I really like Psalm one ten. It it was. Uh, so central to my um, teaching on eschatology, you know, how many, how many times does Psalm 110 come into the picture in the New Testament, you know? And I said, I really would like a manly version. I literally said the word manly from the pulpit. Can you believe that? Manly convicting version of that song. And it, it was only maybe four days later that Brianna Smith emailed and said, well, I came up with these verses and I was just, blown away i'm like oh wow this is really good i think i changed one word it was it was no big deal it was more how to flow the melody and it didn't change the meaning at all so she came up with the verses for psalm 110 and it's almost like one of those things when you're a musician you can you can look at the words on the paper and it just writes itself all of a sudden you've got your your meter your melody i knew it was going to be six eight it's going to be one of these, you know, one of those songs. And I said, you know, I think it could use a chorus. I think I want something to tie it all together, you know, so that there's a big, and that's where I, I came up with the hail to Jesus Christ is reigning. And so I put that together last summer. Um, that would be summer of 2022. And then I did what I did with the, uh, 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 Battle Hymns CD, a CD. I'm I'm really old. I know. <laughs> Album, which is now on Spotify. On his eight track. <laughs> Pop that in the power play. Get that 327. Um, so what I would do is I I already had the arrangement, the recording, everything's pretty much done, and no background vocals, and that's where I wanted the congregation to sing. So what we had done with uh, Battle Hymns was. I would record it with a click track and then I would play that literally through these earbuds through my laptop and then lead the congregation with an acoustic guitar. There's already acoustic on the mix. So if there's a little bleed over, I really didn't care. And I would put a couple big condenser mics out in the auditorium and then basically do two takes back to back. That way, if you've got 60 people in the room, it turns into 120 because you've double tracked all those people. And that's how the congregation got involved. And then I thought, you know, if this is going to get shared, you need a video. 
Well, my son's a pro videographer, works for Townsend's. They've got millions of subscribers. He knows what he's doing. And I thought, great, we can we can get Aaron to, to shoot and cut and produce and everything. So it was kind of a Sunday afternoon after fellowship meal. We went across to that one-room schoolhouse you've been in and uh, and shot it. I think we did five or six takes top to bottom with everybody singing. I said, don't sing full on, but do sing because it always looks better if you're naturally singing rather than just singing the words along. It just looks yeah. weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Aaron edited it and put it all together. And Bob's your uncle. We've got a few thousand views now and people seem to like it. So one of the things I, I really liked about it is the fact that your church is involved in the work and you're, yeah, you're, you're getting uh, the people of your church involved in, in this work. You know, uh, one of the reasons we moved the, the patriarchy podcast uh, from the fight, laugh, feast network was to, uh, make sure my work is the work of the church and that even what we're doing now is for our church and by our church and, and, and obviously can equip other people. And yeah. So we're, been... I, I get that. That's, that's a, it's a worthy endeavor. If you're anything, you're going to do like that. And if you're a churchman, like, like you are, like I am even like part of your apologetics ministry should be tied into your church the thing we do with eschatology matters and those interviews and stuff, everybody in church, they're not as involved as like I am or the other guys that are on the channel, but they're very, let's just say everyone's up to speed and the reasoning behind even doing that too. So, yeah. So, um, why don't, why don't you walk? So that's where you're, you're kind of at musically. Why don't you walk us back? How did you even get started in, in music in, in the first place? Well, um, thank God I was born into a Christian household that was also very, very musical. And uh, my dad was a music major uh, down at Manchester College. My mom the same. In fact, when my mom moved out from Western Pennsylvania, her whole family followed. And so all of them ended up in that area of Indiana down by uh, Manchester. Now, Manchester has gone completely and utterly wokey McWoke face. It's awful. Dad told me back then it was starting. He could tell. However, the music program was second to none. And so my dad was very, uh, very gifted uh, trumpet player. My mom was a, uh, still is, piano player, voice teacher. And so there was all this music in the house. Um, you know, when, when the uh, Radio Free Geneva first auditioned in summer of 2015, the first thing James White said was, I can tell you one thing right now. When I was a kid, I wouldn't have been allowed to listen to that music. <laughs> and I'm like, that's that was my household. There was no metal, no hard rock, but we did have some soft rock. Dad liked, um, he liked bread. He liked the Carpenters. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. And there was an awful lot of, of Southern gospel music, which may explain my my aversion to that style now. But there was a lot of big band and jazz and just all kinds of music. And we were always encouraged to play something. Um, I didn't like the piano, I think mostly because of the associations that the piano had with the men that I knew that played piano. Let's just leave it there. They, it, it was just soft and weak and flowery. And this is the late 60s, early 70s. You know, I was born in 60. Mm. My mom even told me recently, she says, yeah, those, those arrangements are they're not just it's just not quality music it's it's kind of fluffy 
And so when I heard rock and roll, well, the first ones, I, I think I bought uh, the 45 for Taking Care of Business by BTO, Get to the Workout. That's mm -hmm. a great song. And then I heard a little band from England called Black Sabbath. And that distorted, tough, working class buzzsaw, that just got it for me. I, I thought, this is, this is the cat's pajamas right here. This guitar sound, which is, it kind of has this, well, let's demonstrate real quick, shall we? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, I did yeah. happen to plug my Les Paul in, and a Les Paul through a through a normal like an old Fender amp. Caught in a trap, <laughs> I can't walk down. Or rockabilly. But when you turn it up, it's it's a completely different animal. And that is that's be, where my be excellent to each other. Be excellent. <laughs> Dude, you're not gonna believe this. I quoted I quoted Bill and Ted during my sermon just last week. Oh wow. And it went like this. And yeah, I said, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm done with that. <laughs> um so for me in in high school, you know, northern Indiana, it's the seventies, all that kind of strutty, very testosterone driven music I'll, I'll say that that's one of the things i think is sometimes i'm not getting in modern even heavy music it just doesn't have that strut factor which <laughs> in some ways is good because it it is kind of weirdly sexual um but i just really liked how the guitar sounded how you could uh do all manner of different things with it and with the tones you could pretty much swallow the stage in in all-encompassing guitar then you buttress that with the drum kit and the bass and you're in you're in uh, hard rock land so i did that for a long time i had i had a band in high school um played oh junior proms and dances and things like this this is before the djs were you know ubiquitous and a lot cheaper than a band and uh, then through the uh, 80s i had a band always had a band going that was i was going to be a rock star you know it's like, like Mr. Drysdale on Beverly Hillbillies, Miss Hathaway, uh, Jethro wants to be a brain surgeon or a rock star or a double knot spy. You know, he'll take either one. Yeah. Met my wife in very early 82. We were married in 83. She actually ran the light show for us and sang background vocals from the light board, which was, nobody was doing that. Now people do it. And it was around 1986, we were on the road with my band rock sedan and you know having been raised in the church i knew i i was i was gonna have to make a choice at some point either with god or with the world because let's face it trying to get a record deal in a pagan rock band is of the world and it was about a year after that i was just a miserable you know get off the fence be, be i couldn't be a pagan because i knew it wasn't true but i knew being a christian meant giving up my autonomy and God did a work in my heart, praise him for it. And uh, that was May of 87. 
and I just put music down for a while. I thought, you know, this has been my life is almost like an idol. Let's just let's just not do it now. Let, let's get discipled and and learn the Bible. Uh, my wife uh, committed her life to Christ uh, not not even a year after that. It was probably April of '88, and then I started writing songs again, and uh, found some guys to play with. That turned into Love War. That turned into a record deal with uh, John Adino Elefante. And then that band eventually, through the early mid-90s, morphed into the Channel Surfers. And that was an awful lot of fun. And we played. Like Michael Foster just shakes his head. I can't believe I saw you at King's Island, you know, <laughs> when he, when he yeah, was a yeah. kid, right? I think I may have seen you there, too. We, we were all three there and didn't know each other exactly right oh, I, I love it when that happens like we were on family vacation one time this was probably 10 years ago in florida and we just hey let's go get some get some drinks and we're on the beach out in the middle of nowhere and this guy in the booth says hey didn't you play at king's island in cincinnati and i'm like and my friends were like oh this is stupid this is ridiculous <laughs> so i i get recognized sometimes for it depends different stuff and that's that's fine so, so uh, something you said, I wanted to, to come back on real quick, though. Sure. I wanted to ask you about, because I, I, I found this principle in my life as well. So uh, I, too, grew, grew up with uh, uh, not being allowed to listen to certain music, but given a wide variety of music to like, Southern gospel being one of them, jazz, all the things you said. Yeah. Right. And then I kind of, in my teenager years, kind of got rebellious a little bit i really wanted to get i got in a rock band my my stuff that was a band called oasis and that's what i heard and all that and then uh um some electronic music was really what i got into but uh i found that like so i really wanted to pursue this with all that i had put a lot of time and effort and energy into it. i kind of ran from god's call in my life and then when he called me out i had to put it aside kind of like what you said yeah and yet then I found when I did that, and I actually gave myself to serving God, that a lot of the things that I had been searching for got put back in their right place, mm -hmm. and I got to enjoy using those things. So I didn't go off and become uh, a contemporary. I didn't play at King's Island or anything, but the some of the skills and things that I was developing, being in a band, a DJ actually was that was that for a while too have come back around and now i get to use them for god's glory even as a pastor and so um i think there's a principle there of you know when you chase after idols the things of this world you don't get them <laughs> yeah. they, they, they crumble in your hands right that's right that's right but what you what you thought you were after is not that and then it turns into something completely other yeah and then when you uh, give yourself to following God, you often get the thing that you were after, but in the, the better way. I, amen. That is exactly right. Yep. Yeah. So, so anyways, you, you just made me think of that. Continue where you're at. I, I didn't no, want to sidetrack you. That's real good because, you know, when, so back up to the early nineties and I'm writing all this music and trying to, you know, let's see if anyone is interested in this. And yeah, sure enough, someone was. And, you know, one of the things my my grandma Bushong, who passed away in 2000, but she had said, even back in the 80s, before I repented of my sins, she said uh, she was convinced that 
the experiences I was having on the road, um, you know, still in a sinful lifestyle, more, more just plain old drugs and rock and roll. You know, I was married and we'll just faithful. Let's say that, right. That wasn't part of it. Um, but she said those experiences in, in organization, leading a group of guys to show up at the right place at the right time, be on stage, execute well, and, and continue to grow that. She goes, that's all the working with people. That's going to, God's going to use that. And I, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe grandma, I don't know. And I think she's right. Um, you know, it's, it's a different skill set. I think, I think it's related to some of what, what some of our friends talk about with ministering to, especially working class men, blue collar men. You wouldn't think that being in a hard rock band and touring is, is that like a garage mechanic. Let me tell you, you, you only see the band that 90 minutes on stage, the whole rest of the time is work and some boredom and fatigue and just strategy and having to go into town half hour back where you came from just to get the right wrench to fix the valves that are banging up against the, you know, it's, it's, hey, you gotta be a mechanic. You gotta fix the, the van that you're driving <laughs> you around. You gotta in. know, or, or you're stuck, man. And, um, and then in, in just dealing with other human beings, you know, and, and again, I'm, you know, I, I'm older, but I didn't spend as many years in pastoral ministry as well, when you get to be my age, you'll have 35 years under your belt, maybe more, you know. And so all that that wisdom accrues in working with people. And like you said, the thing that you thought was the brass ring is not the brass ring. Christ is it. You run after Jesus. You run after godliness and holiness and pursue that. And perhaps God in his in his mercy, wisdom, he's, as he sees fit, Maybe he'll let you do that again and do it for his name and not for your own. And I think that's a, that's a good principle. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing that you even, uh, that you said, and I, it remind me again about what my, my dad did, your, your parents did was the, the set limits on certain things that I could listen, but then they introduced me to this wide a uh, variety of stuff. And, and I think that's actually been helpful too, again, even as a pastor of, you know, I, I run into a lot of people that, I don't know, they grow up and they only listen to like country music. They only listen to this, this one thing. And they don't have any, but as a pastor, or I even think just as a, a Christian in general, it is good to have a wide variety of knowledge of arts and music and, and culture. Yeah. Um, because you're going to be relating to people and you just find like, I find classical music uh, helpful just as I do sometimes like quoting a, a hip hop song or something. Oh yeah. You know, I was, I was talking to Heidi last night about that. We were, uh, we were driving, driving home from our, our grandkids and it, it was like, okay, it's, it's really beneficial to have a library of material back in your head you know for, for me i had to overcome some bong resonant cops that were still rattling around there but god's been very merciful to me than that and whether it's it's um uh, literary quotes that are 
that are pithy and appropriate aphorisms, songs. You know, it's one, it's one thing to be the pastor in that, those big churches that they'll do a whole series on a movie and how this is the gospel. And I just cringe at that. It's a different thing to quote, oh, brother, where art thou? And, and say, well, come on in, boys. The water is fine. We all know what that is. That's cool. Or yeah. a line from a song, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it just helps to be, I think, widely read. It doesn't mean you have to go swim in every sewer to know that they stink. You know, obviously, there's mm-hmm. things that you just, you know, that's that's irredeemable. We don't have anything to do with that. You know, the one when I was talking to my, my dad passed away in 94, and my mom just lives around the corner on this, basically on our property. And we were talking about that whole piano connection. And I said, you know, things might have been different if maybe I could have listened to Fats Waller, because that's a whole different bag of piano tricks right there. You yeah, know, yeah. she said, huh, I've, n- I've never heard him. Music major? And they didn't have you listen to, hmm, th- there might be some racist stuff in there. I don't know. But, man, that's unbelievable skill and talent. And, boy, oh, boy, you know, you can't gainsay the uh, the, the effort and practice that goes into playing a, mu- mm-hmm. a musical instrument skillfully. Um, you know, that yeah, was a, a benefit for that, too, of get if you're able to, to yeah. have your children um, learning, you know, I – I have two brothers. We all grew up taking piano lessons. I would say my mm-hmm. youngest brother was the one that actually took the lessons and, and did what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I I was uh, the guy that, well, I like, I like your books that you want me to learn, but let me figure out stuff and play what I want to play. Yeah. And yeah, I, 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 there was actually a lesson in that, in that uh, my brother can actually sit down and play anything he wants now. Now. Yeah. And I can't. So <laughs> sometimes there's a lesson in like, get the rules down. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, um, one of the, you remember, um, remember in the, in the mid eighties, there was a David Lee Roth put together a band and it had Steve Vai on guitar and Billy Sheehan on bass. I think Greg Bissonette on drums. I mean, you want to talk about the top level. This is the top tier of musicianship across the board. And you know, all the kids out there are just wanting to ape and all that. And and Billy Sheehan would say, well, you know, you really do need to learn the rules before you know how to break them correctly. And that that is that is so key. And let's not do that with theology, okay? Because we don't <laughs> want to break that. <laughs> yeah, but we should start with the base. I mean, we ought to, like, everybody want to move to the exceptions. Like when you, yeah, that's yeah. what everybody wants to do. They want to be the exception and move to the exception. And as, as if Paul never said, all Cretans are evil, brutes, lazy, gluttons, liars. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul, I know this one Cretan who's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm a Cretan. I'm not like that. I can't believe he'd say such a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of those generalities are, are, are helpful. And I think, um, like one of the things that, you know, back to the, back to music, um, one of my friends said, Hey, if, if there was someone that came along who could lead the music at your church and do it with the same kind of gusto and, and leadership that, that you had, would you give up that part? And I said, absolutely. Yeah. Right now 
um, I'm, I'm the guy that does. So I actually lead the singing at my church. And it's with the, this instrument, the acoustic guitar, which I never really liked all that much until I started playing um, hymns on it. That, that's what got me back in love with the, acu the acoustic and the strum. And then you go back, you, then you can go back to the 70s and revisit all that other acoustic stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If, you take, if you take a song, let's say for, for example, like, um, like Psalm 2, why do the heathen nations vainly rage? And you could, you could sing it just fine with a, with a piano accompaniment. But as soon as you bring this guy in, it changes, almost changes everything because now, now there's a, there's, there's more urgency to it. If I can, if I can put it in those terms, I did a music seminar one time for um, a friend of ours in the CREC and it was for the men. And there had been some, you know, just some challenges to some of the song choices and whatever. And he thought, okay, Tim can bring some sanity or whatever. So I took my guitar and we sang like three psalms together in the group of men. There might have been like 15 guys there. And the one guy said, I don't understand it. That's the same melody. It's the same everything. Why does it sound so different? <laughs> What's the guitar? It's adding that yeah. to the mix. And uh, uh, we're probably, you know, similar background in the kind of worship wars and what's appropriate in church and, and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, if, if you can, if you can literally transform the, the mood of an entire room by adding an instrument or taking one away, that's kind of powerful. You have to be careful with that. Mm. You, you can't just do that because, hey, I want to set a, a certain mood. I know David played for Saul. I'm right, I'm right there in my year through the Bible reading. Find me somebody that can play well to calm this guy down, you know, because he's freaking out. And David would play. I'm sure he wasn't playing the, you know, thousand year BC version of Ride the Lightning or anything. It was going to be something that's calming and has a calming effect. So you do have to be careful. I like playing guitar in, in the hymnody though. Um, basically because it, it just helps keep the whole got piano, bass guitar, organ, Lord willing someday we might have a drum kit up there. I don't know. Just keeps it all kind of going at a certain tempo. So it doesn't slow down and drag and get kind of, you know, well, you, you've lazy. been kind of hinting around. Well, you've been kind of going around about something that maybe I want to ask you to help you bring it out even more. Sure. Is that I uh, I don't know. I've been in many churches where men don't sing, <laughs> and they tend to think of music as like the woman thing to do, right? And and you're you've been talking about like the songs you got were that that really got you early were manly. You're kind of talking about this how the guitar can change and things. Um, really, kind of two questions. Oh, uh, what's the importance of music if this maybe one question from the perspective of someone who's going to lead music mm. of of making sure our music is manly in our worship and then that's the first part and then the second part is what do you say to the men is like to to get them to sing maybe even in a church where it's not as formally developed in in the concept of making the music masculine so what do you say in the two different things to the to the leaders about making why is that important and in second 
how do men get engaged? What should they do? So the, the, the first one, the first one, how, how do you lead it in such a way that engenders that kind of urgency, manliness? What was the, the second why, why is that? I, why is that important? Oh, even? right, right. So why is that important to do? <laughs> That's actually the, the easier of the two. That just follows that, that biblical principle of men lead and women follow. So a man leads his home is inescapable concept. It's not, you know, when, when I'm talking with a guy that's failing, I don't say, well, you need to start to be the leader in your household. I say, your leadership is poor and you need to improve it, brother. And here's some steps you can take to help it. You've been leading by giving up the position of leadership to the, to the woman in the house. And that's part of the fall in Genesis 3 and all that. The, the principle is if, if you get the men and you gain their interest and you gain their trust, they know that you're, you're not a, you're not two faced. You're not, you know, waffling and you do so in such a way that, uh, that honors everybody in the church, but you're, you're geared towards, okay, guys, I want you to lead your families in worship. And on Sunday morning, I want you to lead your families in singing songs as, as Charles Wesley said, lustily, you know, with vim and vigor. And, and that way, all of those other folks come along. If you do the opposite thing, which I'm sorry, but Christian radio is geared towards um, uh, middle-class housewives age 26 to 42, right? All that popular music that I never listened to and couldn't tell you one of the songs because I just don't care. I hate it. It's so bad. Yeah, You're going to go to churches. I'm going to demonstrate it, okay? This is the guys. Uh, uh, for our listeners who can't watch the video, he, he's standing up and not hardly talking. <laughs> he's just mouthing the words and, and kind of half putting his hands. It's a very timid thing. I'm explaining I'm for our listeners – Part of this podcast is video, but some people might be uh, 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 just listening. <laughs> right. So w- what I did was I I acted the part of a man who was uncomfortable in his own skin, standing amongst a bunch of other uncomfortable men, singing a song that you could easily transpose into the boyfriend or girlfriend motif. And it's, it's just so nice and sweet and it's just gay. It's so useless when we think of the the battle that we're in as Christians. We're fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil. And while I I will give some latitude on certain times when that might be appropriate, I think on Sunday morning you're there to you're there to worship the King. This is the Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself for your sin so that you could be reconciled to a holy God and God could be reconciled to you. Come on, let's, let's, let's have a little passion to it. Right. The other thing now that's so towards worship leaders, you need to make sure that the songs you're singing are in a range that's appropriate for a guy. Um, You're familiar with the Trinity hymnal, right? The old OPC blue Trinity. And then they made a reformed Baptist version. I think it's because they put a different confession in the back. I've got it right here behind me. The the, I've got, yeah, I got one over there. And 
even in that red Cantus Christi we used to use in the CREC, there's a certain range that men can sing in, and that's what you got to go to. So even, even like a, a song that's in the key of that's about as high as you go on a Sunday morning. Right there. If you try to go up here, the guys can't sing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what happens is the the, the girls are struggling at the low level, and the guys are down here, and it gets quiet. I've seen it a hundred thousand times. And the worship leader is just up there basking in the glory, singing his high range, and you can't you can't do it. It's literally impossible for a man voice unless he's a rock singer and just letting it all out, you know. Yeah. So there's a certain range that is just appropriate for congregational singing. You you can ask any musicologist; they'll tell you the same thing. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. There's a vocal range, and then then and you kind of said earlier there's the lyrical range because you know, I, I, I don't you know, the, I think in there were probably like the 1700s. There was a lot of the way people spoke about God sometimes verged on the romantic side of things too. You can read <laughs> some of the Puritans a little bit, yeah. but then when you get some songs, man, like. But even then, they were still rich in theology, so you could actually sing it. But like you get now, you like, I don't remember who sang. There's just songs like "I love the way you hold me." Maybe like, <laughs> it's like what? It's like God, I love the way you hold me. All you got to do is change the word God to boy, boy. I, I, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I just, I just don't have time for that. I don't have the patience for that. Um. I had to I had to learn some some songs for somebody, and they said, "So did you like the music?" And I avoided the question. I said, <laughs> "You know, some of it was uh, you know pretty pretty tough. Pretty uh, it took me a while to get the get the whole thing." And and they caught me and they said, "You didn't say whether you liked it or not." And I just went. I didn't even answer the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, do I have to like it? The to weather play? was nice today. <laughs> you know, I've recorded in this in this very room. I've recorded for twenty three years. Solid. There's a lot of music that, you know, what I didn't really care for. And I took their money, because they want they want to sound good, and I tried to do a good job. That doesn't mean I have to like it. Yeah. So with with hymnody. There, just because a hymn's old doesn't mean it's good. Just because it's new doesn't mean it's bad. Hail to Jesus is a brand new song, and I think it's fairly decent. Uh, next is Psalm 19. We're going to try to rock that one up, do a version of that. Um, so certain songs, I, I remember when I, when I first came to Syracuse Baptist, this is uh, middle of 17, 2017, and I started scouring that that blue 1975 Baptist hymn book. And there, there are songs and there's killer thou whose purpose is to kindle phenomenal songs, brethren, we've met to worship bunch of stuff. There's still stuff in there. I'm, I'm trying to dig out, but after about a year of that, one of the ladies came up with this sheaf of papers and he goes here, these are songs we like. And it literally said songs we like at the top. And I was okay. So I brought it home. And I'm like, okay, about a third of these we're already doing. Okay, that's 
Okay, I don't know why that was included. A third of these, I might consider, you know, maybe I'll do when we all get to heaven. That's not, okay, I get it. It's a little maudlin and revivalist, right? But the third page, uh, these are songs we're never doing. <laughs> ever. And I'm not coming to the garden alone ever. I, no, ain't going to happen. Yeah, who's That's Andy anyways? I, I, uh, he, he talks with us. I hope they're not. Are they talking about Andy, uh, um, unhitched, unhitched guy? Oh, the, the, the unhitched guy. You know, Andy, mm -hmm. Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. <laughs> Andy, whoever Andy. That's a new, that's a new <laughs> Hey, by the way, did you just heard his, his father passed away today or oh, yesterday? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, there's that there's that's sad, you know. Yeah. And anyway. Anyway, so it, let me uh let me throw like this gladly up. Gladly the cross-eyed bear. Have you ever seen this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. So let me throw this out to you. Uh we all I think we agree here the leaders ought to consider that we are gathering for worship and it is mm -hmm. battle that we're going out to a yeah. good rich theology and and engaging men so what do you say to the man in the pew maybe he's at a church where it's it's a decent church we, we wouldn't want to tell a man to leave just because of one little thing but how do you encourage the man in the pew to start singing and start how does he start to apply everything that we've been talking about well, that could that could be a fairly broad category too. How how does the let, let, let's say you're like you said you don't you don't want to leave a church just at you know drop of a hat one one thing that's it I'm done you know um, I've been in a situation where there were there were definitely worldview issues that built upon themselves built upon themselves where finally it got to the point you know what I don't think we're going to reform from within let's plan a church, right? Yeah, yeah. That happens. We, we all know that. Um, with, with music, um, I, don't, I don't think there would be anything inappropriate about, you know, going to your, your worship leader. They call him worship pastors, so I guess he's a pastor, right? He should be. He has the title. Mm -hmm. and, and, and ask some good questions. And not, not in, you know, arrogance or trying to trip him up, but genuinely so is there any reason why you have to dim the house lights before we start singing what's that for you know um is there any reason why we have a th it looks like the shirelles up there three-part girl harmony you know i don't know um so some of these things are adiaphora they they can definitely be um uh not not what you want to put your stake in the ground over. But my point in, in those questions, I want that guy to have examined why he does what he does and examined biblically why he chooses the songs that he does. Because we all know growing up in, in this part of the country, um, a lot of the charismatic churches, they're up front with saying, oh, we're, we're choosing these songs in this particular order so that by the time you get to the end, there's a seed bed that the Holy Spirit can begin to work that anointing in the congregation. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's idolatry. I don't know what else to call that. You know, I need this tool. I need this mood so that I can sense the presence of God. No, 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 no. But at least get, get some of these guys, again, 
you know, do unto others. If I was the, the guy with all the novel ideas and some guy came to me and said, hey, how come? Well, I'm probably not going to respond very nicely. But if he says, hey, Pastor Tim, I'm just curious. Is there is there any, what is the rationale for doing such and such or singing that song? And at least open that dialogue up. And if he ends up being stubborn, okay, that's, at least you try. Um, I think with your own families, you definitely want to engender uh, and begin to encourage that kind of loud singing um, around the table. It's always kind of fun. Oh, dad, really? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's the hardest thing for a lot of people because, the, the, you know, you and I, we both grew up with music, I think. And uh-huh. a lot of people didn't. Uh, and so it's awkward. You think about family worship. And one of the things I always think about is that you just got to sit down with your family and say, this is going to be awkward. We're going to do it. And if you start early enough, so some of you, maybe it's it's harder because your kids are teenagers, but if you start yeah. like, yeah, you start when they're born, it's mm-hmm. never awkward. They just assume that everybody sings in their family. Yeah. And I, I, there's nothing I love more than when I go to church and my son, I look over and I see him or my daughters singing the songs Sing. and praising yeah. Like, yeah, uh, and it's not awkward to them. It's just what they do. So like, make it just what you do. A couple of weeks ago, um, we sang the song, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And of course that's an old call and response. Um, originally it would have been the leader. What can wash away my sins? And everybody responds, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, I look down and there's little Myla Carlin. And she's three and a half years old. And she doesn't know the words until we get to. She's got the biggest smile. She's looking around. Nothing but the blood. Same about my granddaughter. She doesn't know the words. She'll get it. Right. And they just belt it, man, when it gets to the point. And so afterwards, I went to their, uh, went to her, uh, her dad. And I said, man, she, she knows it. She goes, yeah. Um, she knows that song as well as a three-year-old can know it. And she sings as well as a three-year-old can sing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm just, I'm so encouraged by just recently our, we've experienced ridiculous church growth. I don't know what we're going to do. Um, kick people out. I think that's where maybe I'll, maybe I'll preach on sovereign election and all the non-Calvinists will say, Oh, I didn't know I signed up for that. I'm kidding. Um, and what's encouraging to me, though, these are young families, young dads, 25, 26 years old. They're leading their kids in family worship. Um, they know the songs. They're learning the songs. They take the battle hymns, hymnal home, get familiar with that stuff. And get this, Sunday during the sermon, I'm in the end of Romans 9, beginning of Romans 10. And one of the dads leans over to his daughter and says, hey, do you know what that is? What Pastor Tim just said? She goes, that's imputed righteousness. <laughs> I'm like, dude, put, put me to shame. My, my own, you know, again, Daddy Tried, one of my favorite books on fatherhood from Tim Bailey. Daddy Tried. That's right. Daddy failed too. So pick yourself up and keep going. But it, that is so very encouraging, uh, encouraging to me. Absolutely. Well, Tim, I think this has been an encouraging time. I've uh, enjoyed our time 
uh, just talking about music and and really serving God with our uh, with those kinds of skills and yeah. even helping men in their homes. So uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for making the the theme song uh, for us, <laughs> our intro song. Uh, any, any final words, any, any, uh, if somebody wanted to reach out to you and get a hold of you, what, what do they need to do? Yeah, you can, you can find me on, on, uh, Facebook and, uh, I've got an email address there as well. You can find me through the, uh, the church website, syracusebaptistchurch.com. And there's an email link there. I think, I think God is so kind to us in allowing us to use these kind of tools, you know, the basic uh, the the chromatic scale, the rhythms, all of that stuff. And I, I don't think all the great melodies have been written yet at all. I think there's much to be done. And use your gifts and talents uh, for Christ, uh, for his honor. And even, here's here's the other part. I, w- I wanted to say something about this. I just, I just talked to a dear old friend of mine, uh, goes way back to the 80s and Christian music and all that certain band had apostatized and yet still likes the music. And I said, man, I can't even, I can't even hardly listen to them now, now that they've left the faith. It's, it's like, if I didn't know that, I, I probably wouldn't care as much. And he said, yeah, it's so hard to find good Christian music out there. And I, I said, listen, you're, you're in your fifties. You're not going to fall into sin. Just, it's okay to listen to good music. Music is music, you know, uh, Lyrics being what they are, sometimes I don't understand at all what those guys are saying. Um, I would rather listen to a paganized knucklehead who can write me under the table than an apostatized Christian any day. So that may be a weird way to end this, but you know, parents, you're still filtering for your for your children. They don't just get access to the internet and Spotify at all. Um, and at the same time, what what you said joe about a wide a a wide variety of styles and influences out there um go for it let your ears develop and don't just listen to music if you're a young musician don't just listen to music that's within your own genre type open up your vocabulary to jazz big band oh some of the greatest songs ever were written in the in the 30s and 40s and early 50s. Just wonderful music. You can inculcate that into the genre called rock, or even if it's not rock, you can put them in there. Yep. Anyway, I'm I'm grateful to God that He's allowed me to keep doing music, and uh, it does it does excite me. Um, you know, you've seen that meme of the the couple laying in bed, and he's kind of looking over to one side, and the girl's worried about all these things that he's thinking about. What if it's this? And I'm over there with the thought balloon saying, man, I wish I could just get that snare to sit right in the mix. (laughs) All right. Well, I think we'll, we'll, we'll end with that. So we'd better. (laughs) Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. Uh, It's been, it's been good. My honor. Thanks. Thanks, Joseph. God bless. Welcome back. That was a good interview, wasn't it? Hope you are encouraged. Well, let me let me end by encouraging you men to sing. Men, sing. In fact, the Bible uses the word sing 177 times. And in the Bible, men sing. Warriors sing. Kings sing. Fathers 
sing. Christ's disciples sing. Jesus Christ himself sings. And God the Father sings. He's a mighty warrior who sings. Don't be afraid to sing. Don't be afraid to sing. In fact, go on Google and, and look up psalms and hymns and work on them. Uh, just practice. Listen to them. Uh, teach them to your children. Build up a hymnal in your mind, uh, 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 just a hymnal of songs that you know. You need to have a, a treasury of, of good songs. And let me tell you the, kind of the reason before it. You know, one of the last things Moses did before he died was to teach the people of Israel a song, a song that they would use to, memor, to remember him and to remember God, especially when they uh, found themselves under discipline. You know, when we have gone into uh, nursing homes, one of the things that we've noticed, you, you go in there and uh, you think about how people have forgotten so much, their brains impacted by old age. Uh, they probably feel imprisoned, actually. And yet, uh, we start singing some old hymns. We start singing old songs that we know that they know, and they just perk right up, right? Their, their brains become active again, and, and they are... Uh, they're full of joy because they actually have in their own mind a hymnal of songs that they had sing, like you know the old ones like Amazing Grace and and uh, when you start to sing these songs, it just starts coming out of them, and uh, that imprisonment feeling that they have probably being in a nursing home uh, kind of goes away because of the joy that they have in singing. If you will practice and develop songs, good singing, biblical, truthful songs, they will be a good and faithful friend to you till your very end of your life. And so sing. Not singing is for pansies. Now, if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, subscribe, click the bell to get notifications when we put out new content. Uh, give us a thumbs up and, and like the video. Uh, um, leave a comment. What are some of the songs that you like to sing? What are some of the things that you like to sing? So uh, now, uh, until next time, if you've not bowed your knee to Christ, then now's the time. Repent. Repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call as men. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is the patriarchy. The <laughs> patriarchy.